Hello and welcome into Backyard Catch. This is Nick Roby here once again. Today we're so excited we get to jump into the ACC Coastal. A little coastal chaos, if you will. So super pumped to join in. Thanks for jumping along with me uh, on this fun preview. So without further ado, we're going to jump right on in because we got a lot to talk about and want to get it all in. So as you may have known, this is the last year of the ACC having two different divisions. And so that means we have, this is the last year of coastal chaos. And so coastal chaos, as you know, just means, or maybe not know, just means we never really know what's going to happen. I think until last year, we really had, uh, you could say, eight different winners of the Coastal Division. Everyone had won. And then, even without divisions, you had Notre Dame go where represent. So everyone had represented the Coastal Division. So, and obviously, Notre Dame, that was a one year thing. But now, as we get into this, it's been a long time since. Uh, I don't even think technically that when the media has picked the divisions that they've picked the division winner right in the Coastal. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I remember that at least it's been a long time. And so we're going to into that. And they picked Miami this year as the consensus team to represent the Coastal. So we're going to get in and see if that if I agree with that or you know, or if I have somebody different. So you got to stay tuned, see who I like. So we're going to dive on in. Uh, we're going to talk about each of these teams, get a little, like we did last time, a little summary overview, and then just to give some thoughts on um, each of these teams as we dive in and kind of have a little taste before uh, the season starts, which is, guys, I mean, according this on being, we've got second week of August, and now, you know, we got football in less than three weeks. You know, that's a week zero, as they say, or, it's like a pre-week one, but you know, we got a lot to get in, so we're going to dive on in to it. And like last time, we're going by alphabetical order, so there's not that's the order that we're just going to go in. And so as we talk through this team, so that way, and we'll, we'll talk about um, who I have as uh, finishing in each, uh, well, they'll finish end of the year. So we're going to get started with Duke. Uh, they come in as they were 3-9 and nine last year, 0-8. New coach Mike Elko in his first year there. Um, uh, this is a team that's just in, it's in a rebuilding mode. You know, you had David Cutcliffe. They were able to make the AC championship game. Um, you make a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, really fought against Florida State that year. I think that, that they won the national title was when they made it. And um, so, I mean, a lot of good things are happening. This is a tough school and traditionally to, to recruit to just because of the academic standard and just, I mean, it's a basketball school. And so, you know, you have that going against it. And so I think it just at the end, it just kind of ran out of steam. Then make a change. Um, but with Mike Elko, I, I like him. I, I, I like the fit. I like what it's happening. Um, so interested to, as we kind of dive into it. But um, it's just, it's kind of like a rebuilding mode for them. Um, and so it's really more of what we're going to see on the field. It, we'll have more to... Um, talk about once we get to see a little bit more of the product on the field. So they return five on offense, four in defense. Uh, they lose some key players, though, no bigger than Mateo Durant. You know, last year ran for 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. So they got a lot to replace, you know, new quarterback, too. Um, so that's I think that's the biggest thing. It's just they have to replace a lot of pieces and just they don't have as much of the depth of those different key playmakers. Um, key guys to watch out for. We got Shaka Hayward, uh, linebacker. He led the team in tackles last year. Dwayne Carter, uh, four and a half sacks, the captain, and then big player on the outside, Jalen Calhoun, um, who had 56 receptions for 718 yards. So th- that's a, you know that's a guy I think will be interesting to watch this year. Jalen Calhoun. I like the way he plays. I think he can be a really big difference maker uh, for them. Uh, they're in a QB um, battle right now with Riley Leonard and Jordan Moore. Um, they'll probably go Leonard. The thing with them is just can they be dynamic enough on offense? Uh, they've had, you know, they came, I think it was last in the conference of 22 points a game. I mean, it's just they have to get enough on offense to really go after and. Um, I mean, they just got to be better on both sides of the ball. I think that's just kind of what it comes down to for Duke. Um, they lost a turnover margin by seven 
last year overall. And so it's just kind of an across the front thing that they have to really improve. And I think Mike Elko is the right guy. He's saying the right things. It's really wanting the culture in there. And the state of North Carolina um, and in Virginia, as we'll talk about later, has really been going up there and when it comes to be the recruiting hotbed. And so if you can get some of those guys to stay home in the area and really believe in the product, I think it's been shown in the past that if you can invest in it, like Duke can become uh, that sort of thing. And so Mike Alco, he helped with Wake Forest and some of their uh, rebuild. And so, and back in the day, I think um, under the previous staff. And so it seems like they're taking a similar approach as they did with Wake Forest and how they approach, you know, higher academic type of school, smaller private school. They're still doing a similar thing with Duke. And so I can see that working. It's just, that's the type of thing that's going to take time. Um, most of the magazines have them, you know, finishing, unfortunately, last in the division. But I don't think that's a repre- representative of what they can be in the future. I just think it just takes time at a school to, to rebuild and they're just going kind to of have to turn some things around, which I think just will take time. Um, so, but a lot of encouraging things about Duke. Just it will take a little bit of time. Um, they play Kansas on the road, which is interesting. Um, Northwestern, and then they got all the normal ones. Um, on that, this side, they've got Boston College. And it looks like Wake Forest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on, on the Atlantic side of the, of the conference. So... A lot of good things. I just think they'll take some lumps this year. We're really interested to see how that continues to build going into next year. So as we go into Georgia Tech, they're uh, into year four under Jeff Collins. Last year they were three and nine, two and six in conference. Uh, they've won three games every year under Jeff Collins, and so we know that it's it was looking to be like a big rebuild because you're going from the Paul Johnson triple option era into you know more of a I don't want to say traditional, more um, current style of offense and in today's game. And now it, it's just, it hasn't really shown all the way. I mean, Jeff Collins is really, really um, energetic and really trying to build that up, but they just haven't been able to keep the talent home. And when they've had had talent, it just has gone away. I think the biggest, or transferred out, excuse me, the biggest, I think, thing just as someone who's just a fan of the ACC and just want to when you want teams to continue to build like if that was um, my personal team watching Jameer Gibbs transfer out to not just anyone but to Alabama and now going to be a prominent role in the offense he was clearly the best guy on the team last year really dynamic and someone you could build around and I think that's just been the problem with Georgia Tech is that they just had guys transfer out and now you have with this one-time transfer rule, guys, I'm not making this up. They they return two starters on offense and two starters on defense. Remember that it's 11 on these sides. They only returned four out of 22 starters. Um, even and then their backup quarterback, uh, Jordan Yates, transferred too. So you know you got Jeff Sims and a lot of new faces. And you know they're bringing in transfers. You know, transfer guys got offensive lineman from Clemson coming in. He was a backup. He's probably going to be a starter and different things like that. But it's just a lot of moving pieces. And I think it's really important for them. Um, I'm not somebody who, like, roots personally. I don't get really into, like, the whole, like, who's on the hot seat or who can get fired kind of thing. I think it's kind of – that's where it gets a little, a little bit just kind of awkward because you're like, this is somebody's job. And it's like – you know, you want people to do well, but then someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, and eventually that's a, a consequence of, of just not performing. And it was known to be a longer rebuild for Georgia Tech, but we're starting in, into that phase for them where they got to see more, some more results, and you can't just keep winning three three games every year. Um, for a team it, that has traditional power like Georgia Tech does, you know, um, they made the Orange Bowl not that long ago, still under Paul Johnson. And so, I mean, yes, the offense was different, but you were you were at least consistently winning. And I think it's starting to become this question of like, okay, are we really going to start seeing these results? Or is this just, you know, more talk and then just having it be different on the field? And so this year will be very interested to see uh, what this looks like. 
And so Jeff Sims, during quarterback, you know, threw for 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 300 yards, rushing, four touchdowns. He's a guy that he could really take the next step, or is this just kind of become a year where this just is who he really is? And I think it'll be very interesting to see that. Um, sorry, guys, I'm just pulling out my rosters just to have that. You know, as we said, it's a one-man show, so I'm trying just to have things in front of me. Um, make sure want to tell y'all. Um, so I, I think that's just a key for me. It's just how does Jeff Sims look um, in this version of the offense this year, and can he be more consistent making decisions, making dynamic plays? And because he's really going to need to be the guy, and I think that's what's interesting for them. Um, you got Macaulay Carter or Malachi Carter, Nate McCollum on the outside. I think the problem with them is they've got the defense. Like they've shown that they can, they can really be good on defense. Uh, they held to 33 points a game. Um, like they, that there is some potential there. I mean, it was 14, eight in Clemson and I know Clemson's, you know, that offense wasn't like dynamic necessarily last year, but I think like it's showing it can be there. And the defense and offense, it's a very fluid type of thing. If, if one side's having to hold all the weight of it, then it can be a lot tougher. And so I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch for them is how does Jeff Sims develop? And also an interesting note is Chris Winkie. Um, if you remember, he was the Heisman quarterback at Florida State. He's now coaching quarterbacks. And so it'd be really interesting to see if that can really rub off um, on him. And so it's kind of just a make it or break kind of year for them where there's gonna be a lot more changes and a new fresh face more than likely in this year. Um, and they don't have an easy task. You got Clemson and Georgia every year, you know, and also they're on national television, you know, game one in Atlanta, you know, in Mercedes Benz and the Chick-fil-A kickoff. And from their end, they're going to want to play well, you know, they're not, expected to win but it's still the standalone game and you want to represent that well and i think that'll be very an interesting uh insight for them we talked about a lot from the clemson perspective nationally but for them what is that perception of them going into the rest of the season we're very interested to see um as you'll know i I, or may not know i've made a composite of four different um magazine rankings to kind of make one Ranking as like a consensus type of thing, similar to AP poll, where I take Athlon, Sports, Phil Steele, Pick Six, and Lindy's and make a composite for each of these divisions. And they have them finishing sixth. So just ahead of Duke. So that would be, it's a very important game for both of them, I would say. And so, but uh, just not a lot of depth this year. And so I think, but that's the Jefferson thing is the most thing I'm interested in. And then let's see, we've got Miami next. Miami, uh, they were seven and five last year, five and three under Manny Diaz. They go and make a move, which was a little bit controversial, um, just because they finished the year decently well. You got Tyler Van Dyke, who played very well after um, after you know QB one goes down hurt. So you know, a lot of promising things and, and, you know, Mario Cristobal who won two national titles for them and then was, you know, head coach at Oregon and won some conference championships over there. It just made known that he would take the, you know, he'd be interested in taking the job. And so they made the move and they seem to be very, uh, you know, excited about that. They got a new athletic director as well. And Dan Radakovich, who's the old Clemson AD. So they're really investing into the program, you know, I think a hundred million dollars into the, the whole program. And so there's an opportunity there. Now the question is, will that result into year one results or what does that look like? And I think that's the question, you know, Crystal ball has been shown to be a great recruiter. And as you know, I've seen in different documentaries, different things like Miami can do well when they, you know, recruit the state of Miami, which is like drawing a line over the Southern half of Florida and keeping that talent home and keeping teams out like Clemson and, you know, beating in-state schools like Florida, Florida State, but Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, like Florida's a top, you know, recruiting state. And if they can do that, then they can really improve there. But, you know, since moving to the ACC, they've only won one division title. Like they were picked to be one of the teams to be a strong team in the ACC, and they just haven't been consistent yet with that. And so a whole new 
whole new staff. You got Josh Gaddis, who was the offensive coordinator at Michigan, who left and came out here, helped him make him, get him to a playoff. And then they have the old uh, Auburn and LS, I think it was LSU and Clemson defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. So I'd be interested to see it's a different style of defense. It's a little bit more of a, a bend don't break. Um, and I'm I maybe not as high on the whole. Kevin Steele move um, seems fine enough, but I think just for me, I know he really helped Auburn improve, but for me, I just, as a Clemson fan, or just, you know, that's the the lens I've seen it in. I just, I, I feel like West Virginia is, you know, still running up and down the score in that Orange Bowl, and it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So I, I, I wish him the best. I just think it's just, it's been kind of, it's kind of hard from just that perspective to kind of move on. Um, so, but they're, I mean, they're kind of the, the darling team to pick in the coastal, like we said, um, just because of how well Tyler Van Dyke played, how many things they brought people, you know, things that they've added to the program and, and, and different transfers they brought in, um, Frank Ladson was back at wide receiver at Clemson, you know, different pieces like that. They could bring in a guy like Charleston Rambo last year, played well, just a lot of different pieces that. You know, have a couple of new guys staying home. You know, and from the old Miami, investing into the program a little bit. So, we're very interested to see how that plays out. They return seven on offense, five on defense. So, I, they're a very interesting team. Jalen Knighton, I, I like him. Um, I think he can be very dynamic, and with how well. Van Dyke like ran the offense last year. I think you have to account for that. So it's if they can really get some, if he can really step up and be the guy as he was when Cam Harris went down, that can be you know a big piece for them. And I'll be very interested to see how that plays. I think you know we got these different guys like Keyshawn Smith, Will Mallory, who I like as a tight end. I'm I want him to see a next step up. I think like the talent's there. If he can continue to you know, develop. He could be like an. He's he has an NFL build as a tight end, and I could see him really fitting in that. But I would like to personally see him take that next step up. And I think if he's a guy that if he can do that, then you know they have a really good shot. Um, Frank Ladson, the transfer five star, just couldn't get on the field at Clemson. Um, had some injuries and just the, the depth at receiver. He just it just didn't work, so he went back home and. But depending on how he plays, he could be a big factor, and they're betting on him in the transfer portal. Transfer portal. So, you know, it's a very interesting schedule for them. You know, they got Florida State. They play Clemson this year, which I think is huge. And then, you know, them and Pitt are, are, are top teams to win the division. Um, they go on the road at Virginia Tech, which is really tough. Uh, they go on the road at Texas A&M, which I think will be a very interesting game. I think that's a really big non-conference game to look at to kind of measure these two different um, these two different powers or different teams that have been talked a lot, but like kind of get a really picture of what this season's going to look like. That's a tough place to play, so I don't know if I would necessarily guarantee them to win, but they've got a puncher's chance, and even probably more than that. I, I, I mean, like, they've got a good shot, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come home with a loss just because that's a tough place to play. But other than that, when it comes to the Coastal, um, you know, the composite has them be number one. I think what's tough for them is they go on the road at Virginia Tech. You know, UNC was the pick last year, and they go and lose at Virginia Tech. That's middle of October, so they'll have more of a, built-in schedule after playing UNC. They have to go, they play Florida State, and no, no, their November is tough as I'm looking at the schedule. You know, they've got Florida State. They go on the road at Georgia Tech, which, you know, is not like a necessarily gimme, you know, in the midst of all this, but on the road is never easy. And then at Clemson, and then they host Pittsburgh to end of the year. So that could be playing for the conference title or conference division. So that, I mean, they really got to finish well if they want to really reach all their goals and, and you know, be playing in Charlotte um, with all, you know, with it could be rematch with like a team like Clemson. Um, so very interested to see. I think the thing with Miami is just that 
they're a team that gets talked about a lot every year. You know, we'll see them in the, when the AP poll comes out, they'll be a top, you know, top 10, top 15, you know, some kind of top 20 at least team. Like they're ranked every year and um, they don't always live up to those uh, expectations. And for the ACC as a whole, if they want to continue to be better, they need teams like Miami to really to fill that. Um, and so there's an opportunity there for them this year. And that's why I say, and, and normally in a first year, it's harder to expect like them to win the conference division. But I think it, this is an opportunity for them to do that. Um, as we'll talk with Pitt, they've got a lot to replace as well. And so interesting to see, I'll, I'll release my, my top uh, picks later, but there's an opportunity there. Just a matter of if all these pieces actually come together and actually form a unit or, is this a lot of like interesting good pieces, but they don't all mesh well to like show the results on the field. And um, so, and I, this team goes as Tyler Van Dyke also goes too. I mean, he, he could definitely be the ACC player of the year. Like he's really, he'd be really good, but you have to kind of see is, was that like a, a last year type of thing or this can this continue to develop and he, when he's really the guy um, in this upcoming year. So very interested to see that for sure. Next, we've got North Carolina, the fighting Mac Browns. Were six and seven last year, three and five overall. Um, I mean, this was a team expected to, and Sam Howell's third year last year, expected to really, you know, play in Charlotte, and even had a magazine who I respect, like like uh, Pick Six previews, picked them to be in the playoff. You know, um, with all they were they were returning and, and everything on paper, and I don't blame them. You know, what I mean, like I don't blame him for for picking them to do that. I think it's just it's taking those steps, but it just has a different feel when everything didn't go through as planned last year. It's it's showing that next step of like when you're the team to beat, like what does that look like? And so you know, Sam Howell's out the door, Ty Chandler's out the door. You know, and you're starting to kind of wonder, like, okay, like, what is this? What does this program look like with Mac Brown? Um, like, can we? Like, they're starting to, to win some of the recruiting battles, but um, they are seeing some momentum building up to it. But last year, I won't say they took a step back, but it just wasn't the the next step that they were expecting, and you know, not as strong in the trenches and on defense as you would expect. And um, they've got some good pieces, but. What does this look like, you know? And so now that when they're not the team to beat, per se, like what does that look for them? Um, they've got Gene Chizik, who's coming in. Uh, he, you know, he was the head coach at Auburn that won the national title. Uh, he won a national title with Mac Brown back at Texas. He used to coach, in, you know, in 15 and 16 and um, is a very deep, good defensive coach and I think could bring some strong things. Um you know, very like has this aggressive, tough um, mentality when it comes to his defenses, and so I, I think I think it's a good move for them. And it will be, be kind of interesting to see. Like, are they like prepping him to be the head coach when Mac Brown does really retire? You know, I was, you, know you kind of expect him to be like a he's just getting up there in age. You know, like when when does this kind of transition happen? Or is that what they're kind of looking for? Um, or are they just wanting to really help with defense and, and seeing a guy who's itching to get back into the game for that? Um, so you got a QB battle. You got Drake May, who talented freshman, and then Jacoby Criswell. So you've got these two guys, and we don't really know the quarterback yet. And actually, you know, what's interesting is Drake May is Luke May, you know, the basketball player's younger brother. Um, but either of those guys could be the guy. And I think what's interesting is that for North Carolina that they they really had a lot on Sam Howell's back not just passing but running and just the whole feel of the team and so this just has a little bit of a different feel now and I could see this offense as they continue to develop it, it whichever one of those guys they pick I, I don't necessarily think they're trying to pick a guy to be the next Sam Howell I think they're really trying to make it more of a, a spread out multiple attack kind of feel to it you know and so I think it, it looks like it's leaning May uh, just because we what he brings to the table arm wise and um, but Criswell can play too it looks like and so uh, but I think May is what it seems like will be the guy but I could also see both of them getting opportunities especially early you know you got Florida A&M 
they go at app and at Georgia State, which is interesting. I don't necessarily love those, but I mean, those are opportunities, you know, because before they're a big test when they host Notre Dame. So I think you can, you'll see both of those guys get opportunities and then hopefully one of them will establish themselves as the guy. Um, lost Ty Chandler, you know, they've lost NFL guys uh, running back. So you might see that more of a by committee. British Brooks, which is a great name. I had four touchdowns last year. He's projected starter. George Petaway is a guy that they've uh, people have marked as a freshman to watch for sure. But I mean, this team is I mean, it's Josh Downs is I mean, that's the guy you circle. That's the guy whoever's the quarterback. It's just getting that guy the ball. I mean, he's an all-conference player, punt returner, had over 100 yard 100 catches, 1300 yards, eight touchdowns. I mean, he's a dynamic player. Could see him at the next level for sure. I expect him to be an all-conference player. But it's like, who else can step up for them on offense? Who else can be that guy? And if they can get a consistent running game and not... Because you can have him be really good, but if if you know that they're going to double him and make somebody else beat you, you have to have those guys there. And they have weapons and guys who can do it. Um, You got Green, who had five touchdowns. Um, Morales of the tight end position. That's big for them. But the problem for them last year is they just had sacks and penalties. I mean, they had the most sacks in the Power Five. I mean, you just can't. It doesn't matter who's quarterback. If you can't block them, it, it doesn't matter as much. Uh, they were 0-6 on the road, which I think was interesting. Um, I wasn't expecting that at all. So I think you can see like them really trying to readjust their uh, mental uh, approach this season. And so I'm... Really interested to see. Uh, I think a big key, key for them too are Tony Grimes and Storm Duck in the back end. Those guys can both be really good, but either injury or just not performing at their peak, those guys weren't as high. Um, just didn't have as good of a season as, as they're capable of, I would think. Um, and so for North Carolina to be good, you need guys like that, which is how many passers are in this league. You know, you got Brennan Armstrong right in Virginia, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. I mean, you just got to. You know, I mean, Sam Harmon, Wake Forest. Um, it's got to come through with that. So, I, I think they'll be, you know, they'll be consistent. You know, they're number three in the composite. But they don't have the easiest schedule either. I mean, they got Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Then they go at Miami, Pitt at home, at Wake Forest. And then they, you know, have an NC State, two every year. It's at home, but... NC State, you know, is some people are picking to win the Atlantic. And so it's it's on paper, but I would say I think the goal for them is to be, you know, Athlon has them going seven and five, I think. Somewhere around that seven, eight year, seven, eight, maybe like eight wins is like it would be a good improvement for them, you know, bounce back. But we'll see. Very interesting. That's a team that's be interesting to watch. Then we go to Pittsburgh, the defending ACC champs for the first time. I think it's their first ever conference title, which I thought was really cool. Um, Pat Narduzzi is back for his eighth year. They have a new offensive coordinator, uh, Frank Signetti Jr. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, has a boss uh, ties with Boston College before, as um, their OC went to Oklahoma State, I believe. So they'll be very. I'm I'm very interested to see. Pittsburgh. I think they're a very interesting team to me because they were a darling team last year. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett came, and you know now he's playing for the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they got Jordan Addison wins the Blitnikoff as the best receiver in the country. Um, but then they've had some fallout. You know, Narduzzi um, and the offensive corner um, just they parted ways, and it just didn't seem like it went well um, at the end. And so he moved on. Pickett leaves. Um, the NFL, you know, they, they, they play in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, but he doesn't play in the game, so they end up losing. Um, I think they had a really good shot at winning if he does play. And then Jordan Asson goes to USC, which kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So you're like, what does this team look like? You know, then you get uh, Keaton Slovis from USC to be the new quarterback. And so it's just kind of like, what does this team kind of look like? As we go into this, and so for me, I think 
Slovis seems to be the guy. You know, they have um, Nick Patty, who was a backup last year, but I think Slovis is going to be the guy. He was freshman of the year in the Pac-12 and had a little bit of a down year last year for sure, but maybe a change of scenery um, could be really good for him. And I think with the success of Pickett, I I think he'd be, he's a really interesting guy to watch and see what he looks like in this. And I think that he's not... The expectation is like he's not. I wouldn't expect like a Kenny Pickett type of season. That's not what I'm expecting. I think for this team to be successful, it's about distributing the ball, getting to playmakers. It looks like they're they're trying to play a little bit more ball control. It looks like this year a little bit more two tight end um, versus being as dynamic passing. Um, they really want to improve the rushing game, and I think if they can do that, that's a big opportunity for them. Um, so it's really just about you know being smart with the football, being aggressive when you need to, but really they're trying to control the control the clock more and be a little bit more methodical. They've and 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 lean on their defense a little bit too, like trying to make it more of a balanced um, game that way. And and you play to that strength, and so that will be um, big for them. Then you've got two guys on defense. You've got. Uh, Casey and Sriracha Dennis, who led the team in tackles at linebacker last year and had nine and a half tackles for loss. Very aggressive style defense. You know, they're uh, they're uh, all out <laughs> kind of attacking defense, you know, and, and they can they can get burned, you know, and that's when we saw in a high scoring game like at Tennessee last year. But that being said, like that aggressive style, I mean that helped win them, you know. That helped win them the conference. And so when it works, it works really well. And they have a lot of pieces back. You know, on offense, they have like seven on offense and seven on defense returning. And so I, I would expect them to be very uh, competent once again. But like we said with North Carolina, I think in the passing game, they have gotten beaten deep. And so can they, can they compete with some of these uh, stronger offenses out there, especially like Virginia, Miami, um, Louisville, they have to play at Louisville with Malik Cunningham. Um, so those would be very interesting for them. Guy I like, um, I was impressed with last year, and I think it'll be very interesting to see him take a step up is Israel Abanakanda. Abanakanda, I think is how you say it right. I will say Pittsburgh has some of the toughest <laughs> names to pronounce, and I'm really sorry if I mispronounce them. It's not on purpose. Um, he had... 651 yards, seven touchdowns, five and a half yards per rush. So I like him. And if they can continue to improve on offense, um, they had a little bit of harder time. They weren't as good in, in, in running the ball as you maybe would like, but they returned all five starters on offense. And I think even eight offensive linemen overall, but all five starters are back, which is huge, you know, and they can take that next step. I mean, even better. And so I think that, with some of these other teams in the coastal, you know, they're either replacing the whole line or a good chunk of the line. And so it just makes you feel better about that with a lot of uncertainty when it comes to this uh, division. Um, and they're all seniors too, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a really big year for the older guys. You know, it's a new offense, but with a little more methodical uh piece of it I think that could be really good and so moving on into the wide receiver group gotta watch for you know you you have like Jordan Addison like we said move move on to USC so you're like what what's the next you know guy for them so shout out to Josh Pate you know with Lake Kick who pointed this out and uh, looked into a little bit more and like what I see is Kanata Munfield is a guy to watch. Um, I want to give Josh credit for that, but and their team. But he's the transfer from Akron. He caught 61 passes last year for 751 yards, eight touchdowns. Was a f- the freshman All American team. Um, just dynamic player. I'd be really interested to see how he fits in. Um, now you know Asin's out, so look for a guy like him to be out there. You got Jared Wayne who's dynamic player, and then their tight end, uh, Gavin Bartholomew. So there are some pieces there, but I would say Mumfield is a guy to circle who's underrated right now that we could be talking about uh, down the road, for sure. If he fits in like we think he's going to fit in, 
but if you're asking like, who are the playmakers, he's the guy to circle I would watch out for. So this is an interesting team because, you know, they've got the backyard brawl with West Virginia Thursday night. They host Tennessee in the reverse game. And then they've got an interesting matchup. Um, you know, they go to Louisville. They get uh, Syracuse from the opposite side. Um, no Clemson, no NC State, no Florida State. Go at North Carolina. The big game, I would say the big game in the Coastal, if the team two teams are going like we think we would, they will they will play is when they go on the road to Miami uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, November 26th. And to be playing, you know, I would think for division title on the line. And so that's the game I would circle in the Coastal. But it's just if all these pieces line into place. It's a long time from now and a lot can happen. But if it goes like we think it can go, that's a game to circle, I think, would be the game um, to win the division. So a lot of cool things to think about for them, but it's, it's really interesting to see will they – question for them is will they step up into uh, this being more of a continual thing or is last year more of a, a, a blip on the radar, so to speak, and they'll fall back to the pack. I think it's a real big question for them. So we've got two teams left. Um, the Virginia teams, we'll start with Virginia because Virginia falls first um, before you add Tech. They have, and both of them are interesting, they both have first-year head coaches. We've got um, old offensive coordinator Tony Elliott uh, will be the new head coach there. Bronco Mendenhall um, retired at the end of last year. So Tony Elliott comes in to be to be the guy. And I think you know he had a lot of options of what Huey – you know, are just chances he could have been, you know, considered for a, a different gig, but he ended up choosing the Virginia job, and I think it kind of fits both him and his and the personality well there. And um, it's just it's another school with a strong academic tie to it, and you really have to get the right players to fit there and develop, and really have the right culture, I think, and to to develop there and win there, and the opportunities there, and I think Tony Elliott can be a really good. Um, could really get a shot at that. Um, really interested to see what this kind of looks like in this first year. So, key thing for them. I mean, when you think of Virginia, you think Brennan Armstrong. You think of the left-handed guy, number five, just slinging the ball around, running everywhere. He's a big guy for them. And I think I thought it was as big as acquisition as any was to keep him for another year. Was to, to, to um, for him to buy in that it was worth him staying another year versus trying to go pro or somewhere else. And um, so you have him staying another year, but it, we'll see where the pieces around him. You know, I think what's really hard is that they lost their team. You know, we're about Pittsburgh has all their offensive linemen. You know, Virginia lost all their starters. You know, big one would be um, Alou transferring um, to Michigan. And so, and then you have Noah Taylor on the defensive side transfers to UNC and Jelani Woods, tight end moves on. Um, so they were dynamic on offense and, and had some pieces, but there's just a lot to replace. And it's like, what will, what will this team look like? I think is the big, big thing. Um, let's see. Uh, wide receiver. They've got, um, Dontavian Wicks is a big piece for them. Um, you know, he had 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, dynamic player, you know, on the outside. They've got, as they used to call him, Keontae Thompson, as they used to say, football player, because he, you know, lined up on wide receiver, running back, really whatever they, you know, backup quarterback. Maybe you know, some different Wildcat things. I think it'd be very interesting to see him with uh, Tony Elliott's background and being um, on offense and helped, you know, be a part of like really dynamic offenses like Clemson and two national titles. Very interested to see how how they utilize all these different pieces. Um, I think a big key for Virginia is can they establish establish line of scrimmage. I mean, it's really on both sides, um, especially running the ball. I mean, it was a lot on Brennan Armstrong's on his back last year. I mean, he scored nine touchdowns. He ran the ball almost a hundred times himself. You know, and when so much of the offense, you know, has been built on this one guy, you know, it really, I think it'd be, you know, they're really going to want to establish the run with other guys to make you have to worry about that and also to save just hits on, on 
on Armstrong and make them, you know, because if you like, you don't want injury and, you know, the more they can save him for when they need him type of thing, I think that would, that's better for their season. Um, defensively, you know, you've got Nick Jackson's led the defense with 100 tackles last year. Um, you know, I, they just haven't had as strong of a defense. I think just they could give up some big plays. And I think that's that's a big question mark for them is what does this defense look like, um, especially on the back end. And um, just a lot of pieces moving on. And I think the better they can control the ball on offense, the better that they'll be on defense. And so I like where this Virginia team's going. I, I think there's both uh, the the different coaches that have been hired, you know, on this on this uh, on this side, I, I've I've liked what I've seen so far. Like they're saying the right things, and you know, as we talk about Brent Pride to Virginia Tech and like uh, Mike Alco Duke, like there are these things that they're. I like what I'm seeing from them, but it's just a question of like, what is healthy expectations one, and then two, like, what does this look like going forward? Like, how do you keep improving on this? And I think defensively, it's limiting the big plays for them and getting some pressure on the offenses for these different teams. And um, otherwise, they'll be into these shooting match, shooting, um, shooting matches, uh, just with high-power offense. And they, and, they, and they have won some games last last year, but it's hard to be more than. 500 was which is what they were um with that and so composite has them tied for fourth uh with tech as we'll talk about um but i think that'll be a big thing for them is if they can make a bowl game improve as they go that'll be really good for them um they have a tough like end of october three game stretch really actually five game stretch because they have october 29th they got miami unc and pitt all back to back all at home but they're all there then oh yeah the, by the way they host coastal carolina um so that would be fun and then they go of course at virginia attack which is you know won 14 out of 15 times i think except for like 2019 is when they finally won but i mean that's a team that's just had their number for a long time and so that end of the year i think will be a big tell of just building in momentum into hopefully postseason for them and into the next year so as we wrap up we got virginia tech who was also um picked a tie for fourth on the composite they were six and seven virginia six and six they didn't play the bowl game it got canceled um virginia tech did but they lost brent pry who was the defensive coordinator at uh penn state for a long time and vanderbilt before under james franklin uh he you know spent three years under frank beamer um and with bud foster the defensive coordinator so, and, you know, he's going to call the plays on defense, and he had very strong defenses. And I think, like, he just, when he sounds like, he just sounds like he fits for Tina Tech. Um, like what I see from the guy, um, really good, um, positive guy. It just seems like really big. Also, culture is like a huge word that gets thrown around, but he just really seems like he fits. Like, he fits well more than maybe um, some other just staff picks in the past. Um, I, I like what I see. The problem for them is what's on paper for them. I mean, offensively, they lost pieces, and it just they just weren't as dynamic as we've seen what Virginia Tech can be on offense in the past. And so, yeah, Grant Wells, who is the Marshall transfer, and then you have Jason Brown, who was in, on the FCS level, transferred, played some for South Carolina, is also battling for the job. Seems like it's going to be to Wells. Um, he, you know, put up 5,600 yards, 34 touchdowns in two years. He had 11, uh, 22 picks, which seems to be a little bit of a problem, but it seems like he wants to push the ball downfield is a little bit more of his um, motto, which I think is overall good for them, trying to push that dynamic uh, feel to them. Um, I think a big key is uh, Jaden Blue, the Temple transfer. Um, a couple years ago, he had, let me see, I wrote this down. In 19, he had 95 catches for 1,067 yards. And so he's a guy, for example, if he can take that step and really be that type of player that he um, was brought in to be and just he, that he's capable of, then can be a really opportunity for them. Um, I think big key was having Dax Holyfield uh, 
on this team. Like he's clearly the leader of the defense, had 92 tackles. Like just they're just on the field all the time. Um, they're moving from I think the four like a four two five type of defense to more of having three linebackers, which I think will be interesting. They're moving a couple safeties uh, from the back end into that uh, middle of the gap, making it more of the what they were doing at Penn State. I think you could you're going to see a lot of that, but it works. So I, I would expect them to be tough on defense. Just a matter of like if they have all the personnel they need to do that. Um, they need to get pressure on the ball. I think this this is a team that's going to be led by the defense. I think that in offense to score, um, to strike when they have opportunities. I think that's the feel of this team. Um, and you have guys like Dax Holyfield. You have opportunities. But I think that's the thing for them is can they be dynamic on offense? Because defensively, I feel confident that they'll be in positions to make plays. And not that they won't give up points or you know or give up big, big plays. It's just I like where the scheme's going. Um I think what's really interesting is they hired Joe Rudolph from Wisconsin um, to help with offensive line. And as you know, Wisconsin is just traditionally very strong on the offensive line. Um, so they bring him in, but they have all the personnel that they need. You know, they, they've had some good guys in the past, but still feels like a excuse me. It's a question mark this year. Um, will it actually, you know, will that translate into this year? I don't know, but like what I see in that, I think um, interesting thing is that their punter, uh, Peter Moore, was the only player to receive first, second, or third team all ACC. I think there were some honorable mentions, but and that just kind of shows you like just where they're at. I just think that they just don't have the depth or all the talent that's there um, to take the step of what um, what like a team of Virginia Tech is, is used to. I think I really like the pieces of where they're going. But I think year one, um, I think them making a bowl game is a big deal. And if they can do that and build on that, there's a lot of good things to come. So that's all the individual teams. So as I go through and I've just been analyzing these teams, this is a little bit of a harder uh, division to pick just because, you know, it's the coastal. There's always chaos and you think you have it figured out. And, you know, they always throw in some curveballs. And so... You know, as you go through this, the composite has it Miami, Pittsburgh, UNC, Virginia Tech, Virginia, tie for fourth, and Georgia Tech and Duke. So I can see that. I respect that. I don't, I wouldn't blame those picks necessarily. Um, I think mine's slightly different just after taking this all in and just knowing what I know from the teams. Um, this is mine in reverse order. I've got Duke and Georgia Tech. Uh, seventh and sixth uh, respectively um like mike elko it's just it's just a lot for year one um and a lot of things they need to rebuild so it's hard to pick them higher than even six but i have them seventh uh, georgia tech it's a put up year for them and that coaching staff they lost a lot of pieces and so i think the winner of that georgia tech duke game you know was the one who finishes sixth and i just have georgia tech but i just it, it's tough they've got a tough schedule um, then you got Virginia and Virginia Tech are in my next two tiers. Um, this is a toss-up for me because I think there's some pieces that are there. They're both first-year head coaches. There's a lot of question marks. Um, both of them line to scrimmage need to be improved. Um, the opposite side of the ball is, is, is probably more of the focus. When it came down to this for me is that Virginia Tech is the one who's had the upper hand when it comes to the rivalry. But... I just trust the offense more when you have an offensive-minded coach with Tony Elliott, and then you have returning guys like Brandon Armstrong. Um, when it came to picking between the two, I just I feel like he's gonna he's gonna will you into a, a couple a win or two more than what um, Virginia Tech is right now. But it's very close. Um, but I give the slightest edge to Virginia because um, I just like what I see from Armstrong. Top three, we've got you know Miami, Pitt, and UNC. Uh, UNC, um, I think they're building on some stuff, but I think Pitt and Miami are just slightly above right now. I think like a seven and five, eight and four. I think eight and four will be a really good season for for North Carolina to build on it and um, to get some of these young younger guys and, and experienced guys some development for sure. So it comes down to Pitt, Miami, and you know my, Miami is the pick. And here's the thing with Miami. I, I think they've got some great pieces. I think they've got some strong things down. I just have a hard time 
in trying to pick these, trusting them to actually fulfill on all that promise. I mean, Pittsburgh is the one who's actually won more division titles than them in the ACC. Um, and it just, it just seems like a continual thing every year to pick Miami to do well, or this is the year that when they'll come back. Um, and I just, I don't know. Um, I think, I think there's a possibility, but I think I just like some things on Pitt's team more. And the coastal tends to be like, whoever we think we're going to win, it's somebody different. And so everyone thinks Miami, I'm taking Pittsburgh guys. I just, I think it's Pittsburgh. Um, things be very close. I understand why people pick Miami. This is a really tough decision. I think it'd be one of the tougher decisions, uh, you have to make, but I'm not picking ties. I'm picking, I'm picking a winner. Um, and you gotta pick one. So I'm picking Pittsburgh and here's why no Clemson, no NC state, no Florida state. And they get some of those games and then a couple of the games on the road at home. Um, and they get Miami. It's on at Miami. But Miami's coming off of at Clemson. And in the past years, I know not as much this past year, but in other years, there was a real, almost like a letdown game after that feel. And I could just see that happening. And Pittsburgh just is a team that plays really well. Like, they're a team that's just, they, they'd rather be the underdog. And I just think they could really fulfill in that. So I've got Pittsburgh. Um, and the title game. So I've got Clemson Pittsburgh in the title game. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you agree, disagree um, with the picks. Remember to like and subscribe on the podcast, YouTube. Um, let me know what you think. And so we've got a lot more to talk about. Um, super excited, but there you go. That's the ACC for you. So thanks for listening guys. And for now I'm signing off. <laughs>